0: The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. Let me encourage you wherever you are to settle your family or your own heart and bow with me as we pray. Lord, we're scattered. we just saying you're sovereign. So we are trusting, we're trusting you that none of this has caught you off guard. Yet, Lord, there are moments when what is happening around us sweeps over us in ways that we don't know what to do. So we cry to you today, help us. Help us to face what is in front of us. Help us to cooperate and do what we ought to do. Help us to help each other. Lord, we plead for the real desperate places, particularly, Lord, for Italy. The staggering numbers that come out every day. Lord, help them provide. Lord, we ask for healing from this disease. That you would rapidly provide a means for this to cease. We pray for those in charge around the world, particularly those in charge here in our own nation, for our president, for our governor, for our local leaders. Lord, we've understood now how important leaders are and the weight in which they bear. So as they have faced sleepless nights and days and days of decisions, I pray that you would help them and lead them, guide their hearts. And Lord, we pray now that you would take your word from Psalm 46, that you would cause us to slow down and to study, to think, to pray, to lead us, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 46. To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to the Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, that the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea the God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Last week we left off by me sharing a quote with you from Martin Luther when he was facing the Black Death and how he was encouraging his small congregation to respond. I want to invite you to think more clearly with me about the year 1527. Many think it was the darkest year in Luther's life as Not only is he leading this reformation and all the consequences, even the threat of death daily at his door, then comes the black death to his city. Luther and his family made a decision. They were going to stay. That God had burdened them that opened their home up to be a makeshift hospital, if you will, They invited the sick in. Luther himself became sick multiple times, even to the brink of death. And then the darkest moment is when their one-year-old became sick and went to the very edge of death. It was in the midst of this where Luther's worst fears were realized. He was broken, hopeless. He was fearful. Death was surrounding him. But what Luther did is take refuge in God like never before. If you read his writing, you find that it was Psalm 46 that he clung to. This is what he would say when the small band of believers would gather. Come, let us sing the 46th Psalm. Let it do its worst. We sing this Psalm to the praise of God because God is with us. And powerfully and miraculously, he preserves and defends his church And his word. So brothers and sisters, friends who are listening, here's the main idea of what I want to share with you today, that in the face of trouble and chaos, the Lord of hosts, our refuge and strength helps us. Psalm 46 is the language of faith in the midst of extreme difficulty. The modern world that we live in has has not known a difficulty like this of fear and trouble, we could say 9-11, but that was very brief. It was a brief window of time. A few months ago when they started to talk about the coronavirus and COVID-19, none of us imagined that a worldwide catastrophe of this magnitude would take place. Particularly something we can't see. The unknown The unseen has only added to our fear and added to the chaos. Derek Kigner writing about Psalm 46 says, Our true security is in the one true God alone, not in God plus anything else. Psalm 46 turns our hearts to where they should be in a time like this. The first thing I want you to see is that in the face of trouble and chaos, the Lord of Host is our refuge and strength. Verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Our. God is our. So who? Who is our? This is true for the people of God. That God is our refuge and strength, something that is external and something that is internal. A refuge, it's a defensive external aspect of our salvation that the unchanging God is the one in whom we find true refuge and shelter. He is our strength. This is a a dynamic aspect of him empowering us inside, empowering us in the midst of weakness and in the midst of fear. He is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now here's what's interesting about the word trouble. It's plural. Troubles or the the meaning of the Hebrew is it's an ongoing trouble. I know all of us want somebody to say, when's this going to be over? When are we going back to work? When are we going back to school? Nobody knows. Here's what we do know. That in this unending sequence of events, God is a very present help. That means... He is with us. Here's what we're finding out right now. What do you believe about God? Who do you believe God is? Everybody has a theology that is a belief about God. Everybody. But this trite, simplistic platitudes, they're not getting anywhere for anybody right now. Here's what we better find out. We better find out who God is. Who the one true God who has revealed himself. We better find out who he is. Because when we find out who he is and we believe him and trust him, it leads to applied theology. That is the experience of our life. Where it comes into the real world of who we are. That we don't just say God is our refuge and strength. Here's what we know. He is a very present help in trouble. Verse 2. Therefore... We will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. Now, this is a hyperbole. This is the the song speaking in such a way to create an image that's shocking. So, it would be a shocking image that Mount Everest would collapse. So the the image here is of a mountain, something that is strong and steady and fixed. You you can see it and you know it's going to be there. And then you have the sea here, the tumultuous sea that's that's turned up and it's crashing into the side of the mountain so much so that it tears away at it and it collapses. And falls. Even in the face of extreme trouble, brothers and sisters. Here's what we know. We don't need to fear. Even though the world around us is giving way. Even though the world around us appears to be collapsing. Therefore, we will not fear. Now, I want you to see the dynamics in this verse. There's the physical. There's what's happening to the world and those around us. There's the spiritual, that God is our refuge and strength. We we believe that he is our refuge and strength. And then what happens is this. It has a profound psychological effect. We will not fear. Now, I want you to hear me. I'm not saying shame on you if you're afraid. You're lying to yourself if you say you have not experienced fear over the last two weeks. That there have not been moments when it has swept over you. Here's what you need to do, brothers and sisters you need to write your soul. I want you to imagine with me in your mind a sailboat. You ever notice how a sailboat will lean over to the side in in the wind? It's actually a positive thing because what you don't see underneath the sailboat is what's called the keel. It's a big fin sticking out of the bottom. And just above the keel is what's called the ballast, a weight. As long as that keel stays in the water, the sailboat's gonna continue to sail. It's when that gets exposed and pulled out of the water that it collapses and turns over. But here's actually what happens. When the wind presses in on the sail, physics takes over and actually creates more tension as it turns to the side. This thing's blowing on us. And here's what we're all finding out, whether we've got a keel, And that keel is the one true God. And here's, here's what the psalm is saying. When you press against him, the stronger you know that he is. He is a very present help in trouble. I'm reading from Psalm 102, verse 25 to 28. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe. They will pass away. But you are the same. And your years have no end. The children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring shall be established before you. So here's a question. Why are we and future generations secure and established. Here's why. Because in the face of trouble and chaos, the Lord of hosts, our refuge and strength, helps us. With with God, the waters are no longer a menacing sea who are tearing away at the mountain about to collapse it. No, when you turn to verse four, here's what you see, that the water is life-giving. His waters are fully under control. His waters are giving life. Verse 4 There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. You've got to ask the question what's the city of God? Well, Zion or Jerusalem. Now, here's what's absolutely fascinating the city that God chooses for his people has no river, it has no water access. It kind of doesn't make sense. But here's where it makes sense because the river for the city of God is God himself. So we got to press this and say, well, how do I understand this river for us? Well, we got to go to the Bible and we got to look at how this river unfolds. And what we're going to do is go to the end of the Bible. So if you turn with me to Revelation 22. Revelation 22. Verse 1, then the angel showed me a river, the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now this is an image of heaven, of, of the dwelling place of God where we who are in Christ will be. And there you find this river. It is the water of life. And you can go on there and read about what this river is doing. But I want you to see the source of the river. The source of the river is from the throne of God and of the lamb. So who is the lamb? John says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's speaking of Jesus. So let's go to John chapter four. Watch Jesus use this image again of water. John chapter four, verse 13. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now this life that is described in Revelation 22 and John chapter 4 and many other places in the Bible is eternal and it is ever satisfying. So then... I got to ask this question then. How do I understand the city of God and the midst of her? Who now is the city of God? It's it's us, it's the church. And he is in the midst of her, verse five. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God's people have God in her midst and she will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. That means help is here. It's right at hand. Help is sustained by the one who will never ever be moved. And when he says help in the morning, it's a reference back to Exodus chapter 14. God tells Moses, I'm gonna put the sea back together. Tells him what to do. Moses commands to the sea and it collapses in on Pharaoh's army. You know when it happened? Verse 27 says, in the morning. Or in the dawn of the morning. Now what's what's he saying to us here in in this verse 5? He's saying, help will come tomorrow. It's going to come in the morning. Another place in the scripture says, his mercies are new every morning. How can we be confident of this? How can we know that his help is coming? Here's why. Because help has come. John chapter 1 verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Christ has come into our midst. He has come into this earth and dwelt among us. Christ lived a sinless life. And as a result of his sinless life, he was able to die a sinner's death in our place. He suffered the wrath of God on our behalf. He died and was buried, and then the morning dawned. Christ rose from the grave and he has ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he will come again soon. Until then, the Holy Spirit, the Helper, has come. He indwells every believer. He is in the midst of his people. He will never leave us nor forsake us, even though, verse six, the nations rage and the kingdoms totter. It's not just sickness that's threatening us, it's economic collapse. It appears that the world is tottering. God can and He will one day bring everything to a close. He utters His voice and the earth melts. Until God does this, we sing this refrain. The Lord of hosts is with us. This is real. The Lord of hosts. Who's the Lord of hosts? That is the mighty warrior, the God of angel armies, the one who is the conquering king. He is with us. The God of Jacob. That's that's a reference to covenant, a covenant that God has made that he is not going to break. He is our fortress. He is our high and safe place. And brothers and sisters, He is with us most clearly in times of anguish and distress. In John chapter 16, when Jesus is about to, to, to go to the cross, some of the last words He says to His disciples are this I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Not you might, you will. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, at this point in the psalm, you got to ask, so what? Because it's going to bring application. Because of the, in the face of trouble and chaos, the Lord of hosts, our refuge and strength, helps us, then we need to do two things. Number one, don't miss this opportunity to behold the works of the Lord. Every time I've talked to you, I have appealed to you to get your nose out of your phone, off the TV. All that's doing is stressing you. I I encourage you to do this. Limit yourself to a morning check and some check another point in the day. Don't look all day. The coronavirus is not going to go away suddenly. Continually feeding your mind with all of these things is nothing but driving your fear and anxiety out of the roof. Here's what you need to do, brothers and sisters. You need to take this opportunity to behold the works of the Lord. This is the logic of Psalm 46. Things are falling apart, so what do you do? You come behold the works of the Lord. This is an imperative. That means it's a command. It's not... It's not an invitation in that if you'd like to. It is an invitation, but it's a commanded invitation. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What he has done, what has been revealed in his word, and what he has promised to do. That means practically open your Bible. Open the Word and prayerfully read the Word. If you don't know where to start, I I continue to implore my own heart and yours. Read the Psalms. The Psalms were written for moments like these. In Psalm 119, it says this, verse 27 and 28. Make me understand the ways of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your Word. I have quoted verse 27 so many times, I've never seen it in connection to verse 28. That that in the midst of a sorrowful soul that's melting away, we say to God, God, make me understand your word so that I can meditate here, strengthen me according to your word. The second way you want to behold the works of the Lord is look what he's doing right now. Yesterday, I got a text from a member who works on a very large company. He was on a conference call yesterday or Friday, I'm not sure. And because people knew he was a believer, there were 60 people on this call all over the place. They called on this man to lead them in prayer. And you know what he did? He took Psalm 46, read it, and then prayed it over them. His response to me was, this would have never happened without coronavirus. Brothers and sisters, don't miss these moments. Don't miss these moments to, to, to see what God is doing, to step into what God is doing. And let me encourage you this. We still have social media to talk. We can't talk face-to-face, but we can talk through social media. Share your stories so others can behold what God is doing. The third thing is we need to behold what he has yet to do. The near future is going to hold the works of God. But ultimately, here's what's coming. The consummation of all things. He has brought desolations on the earth. I'm back in the Psalm. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. I invite you to look with me in Revelation chapter 19. In Revelation chapter 19, we have the account of the, of the coming of the Lord Jesus. It says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and a name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses, and from his mouth comes a sharp sword from which to strike down the nations." And He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now I'm not going to take my Bible and try to make it say things it's not saying. But here's what we do know. That there are descriptions of things prior to the coming of Christ. And we have witnessed these things at times throughout history. And I'm not saying this is the culmination. Many times the churches believe that. But I am saying this. You better wake up to what's going on. And you better realize this. There is an imminent coming when all of this is going to be put to rest. And it's going to be put to rest when the king of kings mounts the white horse and rides again into time and space and ushers in his kingdom when everyone will know that he is Lord, King of Kings. There are two responses to what I'm saying right now in your mind. One is to turn off this stream because you don't want to hear it. For you, I would say to you, you need to understand and confess you're not ready for that. And if coronavirus isn't teaching you anything, you better be ready for death or the coming of Christ, whichever comes first. For the believer, here's what you ought to say. This is a moment for us as Christians to groan with creation and say, come, Lord Jesus, come. If you're in the place where you say, I'm not ready, don't miss verse 10. Don't miss the opportunity to cease striving and to know that He is God. Be still and know that I am God. Now, I have to confess, I've used this verse wrong many, many times. In fact, most people use it wrong. They hear it like this Lord's calling me to have a quiet time. No, He's not. It's not what He's doing. This is actually a rebuke. Here's what God is saying. And if there's ever a moment, if there ever has been a place in history for this rebuke to resound, it's right now. You people going about your life, you're acting like there's no God, there's going to be tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, and get and gain and drive yourself to accumulate all these things, they mean nothing now. And here's what God is saying in a resounding way, stop. Cease striving and know that I am God. Now here's why this is imperative. God is offering to you both hope and a warning here. Cease striving and know that I am God because I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He's saying... I'm coming. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. So I say to you, look to Christ today. Confess your sin, your need of him. Cry out to him to save you and to all the people of God and to all who would cry to Him, let us say together, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He concludes that it, when it seems like the heavens will fall and the mountains will be torn from their foundations, The faithful will remain calm and tranquil. This will be evident proof that we trust wholly in the power of God. I've needed help this week. I trust you have too. I've sought to write my heart to make sure that I'm attached to the keel. I was helped with this verse so much, Zephaniah 3:17: "In your living room, in your car, the Lord your God is in your midst." a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. You don't have to see me to do this. I want you to bow right now where you're at. And I want to pray for you. I want to ask God's blessing on you. Father, I pray and I plead for your people that they will know that the Lord of hosts is with them, that the God of Jacob is their fortress, that you rejoice over your people with gladness. May you quiet them right now in your love And whether we can sing or not, God, thank you for the beauty of this verse that you exult over us with loud singing. So as a parent comforts a child, heavenly father, comfort us, your people. And for those who find themselves still hopeless, Lord, May they turn to Christ today and trust in you. Lord, now, I pray that as we reflect over the words of this song drawn from Scripture, that you would continue to ride our hearts in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.